Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we continue to see bills pop up in Congress dealing with the cattle market. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley seems to be spearheading a lot of this legislative effort to regulate the cattle market. We'll check in with him to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. At this week's Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, ag producers are getting the chance to learn about a lot of things, including one of the more intriguing subjects to come agriculture's way in recent years, hemp. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you that story on Texas Ag Today. Climate Corporation's FieldView platform has new digital technology for the cotton industry. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas Citrus is on the comeback trail after a devastating freeze. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have an update on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Earlier this month, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley joined Senators Deb Fisher of Nebraska, John Tester of Montana, and Ron Wyden of Oregon in introducing the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act. Grassley says there's one likely path for this bill to move forward. The path forward is quite simply to get this Fisher-Grassley legislation as part of mandatory reporting reauthorization because there's no way Schumer's going to give us time on the floor of the United States Senate to get this done. So it's necessary to get it done there. Grassley says there were a few components of his previous cattle market legislation that were left out of this compromise bill. There's a feeling among some beef producers, instead of on a regional basis of how much has to be negotiated on a daily basis, that that ought to be a nationwide thing instead of a regional. It was something that there was some differences between beef producers in some states compared to Iowa. I would like to have the 50% nationwide, but there's other areas where that would be a problem for some beef producers. So this is the compromise. Eleven senators and six representatives on both sides of the aisle have co-sponsored the new compromise legislation. A Texas farmer is recognized for his stewardship efforts. A fourth-generation Texas farmer has been named the 2021 Farmer of the Year as part of the 2021 Sustainability Leadership Awards from Field to Market, the Alliance for Sustainable Agriculture. Barry Evans of Cress earned the distinction for his outstanding conservation efforts on his farm and leadership in advancing sustainable agriculture. According to the Alliance for Sustainable Agriculture, 
Evans balances his cotton and grain sorghum crops needs with a desire to conserve both soil and water on the 4,500 acres he farms in the Panhandle. Through an adaptive approach, Evans has decreased his energy use by 80% while increasing yields, improving irrigated water use efficiency, while rebuilding degraded soil health. It is not the first time that Evans has been recognized for his farming practices. According to Cotton Grower Magazine, he earned the 2016 Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award and the 2020 Joseph O'Neill Cotton Marketer of the Year Award. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. As we wind down 2021, it will likely be remembered as a roller coaster year. Cody Carson farms in the Texas Panhandle near Olton. Went from thinking it was going to be a disaster to really excited to uh, burning up in August and September. And I would say it's an average year at best. Um, we had some crops to harvest that we haven't had, so that's a blessing. Now, Sorghum was a great surprise. I had some really good sorghum yields, but most of the crops were average to slightly below. But you don't have to get 20 miles from me, and they're hitting record. It's, it's all where the rains fell. Uh, I've done this for quite a while, and I've never seen two years the same. You know, we had guys in South Texas that struggled with a lack of moisture and then too much moisture, and they even, uh, at harvest time, South Texas had a lot of milo sprouted in the head, and they were looking at great crops. I was started off, uh, some of my irrigation systems have rain gauge monitors, and I was showing 5.2 inches of moisture in the last 20 months. That's how bad the drought was. And then all of a sudden in uh, May and June, I got my yearly rainfall in just a matter of a few days. And we thought, wow, here we go. And then when that faucet shut off, we were back to, we burned up in August and September. Cody Carson of Olton. The Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show is now underway. James Hunt reports from the Panhandle. As we've talked about in our two previous reports, the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show's three-day run at the Amarillo Civic Center this week has a lot to offer those in attendance beyond getting an up-close look at the big tractors and combines and other equipment on display. Looking at some of the events I haven't gotten around to mentioning in previous reports, on Wednesday afternoon, there will be a free program offered by Texas A&M AgriLife on pasture management. That's Wednesday at 1.30 in the Civic Center's Grand Plaza Room. And the Grand Plaza Room is also the location for Thursday's Cotton U event, co-hosted by the High Plains Journal and the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show. That will begin at 8 a.m. again on Thursday. Something that will be offered each day of the show are discussions on hemp production. Those sessions, taking place at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. each day in the Civic Center's glass meeting room, are being offered by Delta Ag. Among the presenters will be Kyle Bingham, president of the Texas Hemp Growers Association. We are not hemp advocates. We are advocates for the farmer, and we want to work in hemp as long as that takes care of the farmer. As long as that farmer is getting paid, as long as it improves that farmer's rotation, as long as it works for that farmer. So that's what we want to do is educate farmers to see whether this is a good fit for them or not. We're not there to sell some dream or talk about some unicorn that's going to save the farm. So don't rush into hemp with unrealistic expectations, but hemp does remain an intriguing possibility. More on that subject in our next report. But switching back to the Farm and Ranch Show itself, get more information about the activities and exhibits at AmarilloFarmShow.com. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
digital technology continues to advance in agriculture. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. My guest today is Austin Horn. He is with Climate Corporation and Austin Climate Corporation's uh, field view platform has some uh, new technology that has just been released for a wide spectrum of farmers, but uh, in particular cotton farmers, and there's certainly a lot of cotton farmers in Texas. I know that well, and uh, we are excited to announce a new product enhancement that is specific to cotton growers. So every time we update our app, we have new product enhancements and features. We do have new capability for cotton pickers and strippers to add uh, their gin turnout percentage when they're analyzing their yield harvest data. We know that's a very fundamental and critical component for growers understanding their yield data, and uh, we're glad to have that now as part of the Climate Field View platform. You would simply need to update the app and it would be right there working for you instantaneously. So Austin, how do you see this new technology uh, benefiting growers? Growers know gin turnout percentage is, is very critical for them understanding their, their actual lint yield at the end of the day. We know raw seed cotton weight is helpful, but it's not really what they get paid on really at the end of the day. This gin turnout capability lets them understand their yield uh, by lint per acre. So we're really excited to have that fundamental capability now with, within the platform. The other thing I would draw our listeners to is our new zone creation tool within our manual scripting function. It allows growers to take field imagery and turn it into actionable insights and management zones. So we know there's variability in field, there's variability in water if you're irrigated. It allows you to make optimized recommendations for your own operation with fertility, planting prescriptions, or even crop management. That again is Austin Horn. He is with Climate Corporation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas citrus industry was devastated by the winter storm last February, but Gary Joyner tells us it's working hard on a comeback. Everybody loves a good comeback story. Keep your eye on the Rio Grande Valley for the next chapter in the comeback of Texas citrus. Winter storm Uri in February caused extensive damage to valley orange and grapefruit trees. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service says young trees between one to two years old and older trees were especially susceptible to the cold. Growers have been rehabilitating mature trees that survived, those trees five to 20 years old. They cut back and removed all dead woody material resulting from the freeze. Extension experts say trees that made it are looking good and showing very good canopy. And surprisingly, there is some fruit on those trees. Most crops and orchards were insured, and there is hope that Texas citrus will return to pre-storm levels, according to officials. But there are some other factors in play. Higher costs for fertilizer, fuel, and crop protection chemicals are putting a squeeze on citrus growers. Young citrus trees were also in short supply, which was a problem for growers hoping to reestablish their orchards and have fruit in three to five years. Time will tell. Early signs are encouraging, and it's a comeback story worth watching. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Conservation funding is available to improve wildlife habitat in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And one of the most common equine diseases is EPM. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic 
increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. One of the most common horse diseases is EPM, and Dr. Bob Judd says it's a very difficult disease to diagnose. Dr. Nicola Posterla indicates in the Remuda publication that it took nearly 20 years to find the protozoal organism that causes the disease, and its name is Sarcocystis neurona. However, we now know that another organism called Neospora can cause the disease, and even toxoplasmosis is a possible cause. About 85% of the cases are due to sarcocystis, and the problem is that 78% of healthy adult horses in the United States test positive for the organism on the blood test, so routine blood testing is not accurate. Routine blood testing only shows the horse has been exposed to the organism and does not indicate the horse has the disease. A blood test can likely indicate the horse does not have the disease if negative, but if positive, it only indicates exposure and not disease. Lots of trainers want to test horses that do not have symptoms to make sure they do not have the disease. But this is not a good idea, as most horses will be positive on the blood test, so it is not recommended to test healthy horses. If a horse has clinical symptoms of EPM, including ataxia, wobbling, muscle atrophy, or other nervous system disease symptoms, then a blood test and testing of spinal fluid is the most accurate test. The protozoa sarcocystis is carried in the feces of opossums, and the other protozoans are transmitted to the horse from other animals. There are three approved treatments for the disease, and all are fairly expensive, so we would like to make as sure of the diagnosis as possible. It is possible to treat the horse for two weeks and see if there is a response. However, the response to treatment may be mild, which makes it difficult to determine in only two weeks if the horse is improved. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Conservation funding is available to improve wildlife habitat here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Texas landowners who are interested in protecting or improving wetlands or providing critical habitat for wildlife can now apply for funding through the Agricultural Conservation Easement Program. According to the Natural Resources Conservation Service in Texas, ACEP agricultural land easements provide financial assistance to eligible landowners for purchasing easements that protect the agricultural use and conservation values of eligible land. For working farms, the program helps farmers and ranchers keep their land in agriculture. ACEP Wetlands Reserve easements allow landowners to restore, enhance, and protect habitat for wildlife on their lands, reduce damage from flooding, recharge groundwater, and provide outdoor recreational and educational opportunities. Native American tribes, state and local governments, non-governmental organizations, and private landowners may apply. 
The Natural Resources Conservation Service accepts applications for ACEP year-round, but sets deadlines to be considered for specific rounds of funding. The deadline to be considered for the next round of funding is December 31, 2021. You can apply at your local USDA service center. Call ahead. Appointments may be required. Additional details on ACEP programs are available on the NRCS website. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will hold a Rangeland Wildlife and Fisheries Management webinar December 2nd online. Cost is $35 and advance registration is required. Details are available at today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a big sell-off in the markets on Tuesday. Lower closes for livestock, cotton, and grains. We'll update all of Tuesday's agricultural market information coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a lot of red ink in the agricultural markets on Tuesday. Two big things weighing on the markets. First is the continued concerns over the Omicron variant of the COVID-19 virus, as well as comments coming from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell suggesting that inflation is no longer transitory and that the Fed's tapering process needs to be implemented quicker. Both of those factors causing a lot of red ink in the agricultural markets on Tuesday. We close mostly lower in the cattle complex with December live cattle down $1.5, $135.87. February down $1.40, $137.90. April live cattle down $1.45, $141.07. Feeder cattle finished mixed with January feeders down 87, 164.85. March feeders down a nickel, 166.50. April contract up 25 cents at 168.82. Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report. We did see some bids from the Packers here in Texas at 138. But feedlots asking 143 to 145 this week, so no sales reported so far. Boxed beef prices lower on Tuesday. Choice down a dollar five, two seventy six fifty three. Select down eighty cents at two sixty one twenty two. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's a livestock market operator report from Seth Crane, Union Commission, Hondo Livestock, the last sale he had before the Thanksgiving Day holiday. Seth, how was it on Monday? 
305 head of cattle, 48 head of sheep and goats. Sheep and goat market uh, still really active. Probably ended up with somewhere around 60 cows and bulls this week. As far as the packer cow market, uh, maybe a dollar or two better. Uh, top top cow today would bring up to 65. Most of those higher yielding cows would bring somewhere around 60. Uh, get on the other end of the cows and those thin cows and those hard cows, anywhere from 15 up to 30. On your bulls, uh, had a top bull at 95. Most of the higher yielding bulls, 85, 88 cents. Uh, and your lower yielding bulls from 57 up to 75 or 6. Had, did have one pair at eight and a quarter, and on our bred cows from 560 up to 1030. On the better end of those cows, they bring anywhere from 850 up to over a thousand. Jeff and Yerlin deal this week: two to three weight steers, dollar sixty to one eighty-eight. Two to three weight heifers, one thirty to one forty-six. Your three to four weight steers, one sixty-two to two oh six. Three to four weight heifers, one thirty to one fifty. Four to five weight steers, dollar fifty-four to one ninety. Four to five weight heifers, one twenty-five to one forty-six. Your five to six weight steers, dollar thirty-five to one sixty. Five to six weight heifers, one twenty to one thirty-four. Six to seven weight steers and bull calves, one twenty to one thirty-eight. Six to seven weight heifers, one twelve to one twenty-four. Seven to eight weight steers and bull yearlings, dollar eighteen to one thirty-five. And your seven to eight weight heifers, ninety-five to one sixteen. Uh, still, some of these planter cattle, you know, they can be a lot cheaper than the than that number one end of them, and uh, not reflected here in the market report. In the meantime, you can reach us right here at the office eight three zero seven four one eight zero six one. Get me on my cell phone two one zero. 288-3960. And for any updates and information, visit us on Facebook or HondaLivestock.com. Seth, thank you so much. Listening neighbor, thank you too. I'm Larry Marble. Walking the pins. Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close mix. The nearby December contract was up 97, closing at 73.37. February hogs down 95 at 79.97. Class 3 milk closed lower. The December contract down 11 cents at 18.05 a hundredweight. Those two factors we mentioned earlier, the COVID-19 Omicron variant and the Fed's news of quicker tightening, both weighed big on the cotton market on Tuesday. The three nearby contracts limit down 500 points. We lost a nickel with December cotton down 500 at 111.65. March cotton down 500 points, 106.41. Same story on the grain markets. Big losses with December corn dropping 14 cents, 567. New crop September corn down 12 and a quarter, 552 and three quarters. Wheat sharply lower. July Kansas City wheat down 28 and a quarter, 809 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down 30 and a half to close at 787 a bushel. The energy markets also seeing big losses Tuesday. January natural gas down 27 cents at 4.58. January crude oil down 3.67 at 66.28 a barrel. The financial market sharply lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 613 points, 34,522. The Nasdaq down 236 at 15,546. The S&P dropped 78 points, 4,576. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.